Thank you for joining us today and a big thank you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. Karen and I have been trialing their designs for a few months and we can happily recommend them. All designs are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Karen and I both love a cup of coffee, but today we're asking, is caffeine good for running? So we're going to be telling you all about caffeine as a supportive ergogenic aid. We're going to identify if there are any downsides to consuming caffeine as a runner and also for general health. And finally, we're going to look at the sources of caffeine you may consider as a runner. So join us for a coffee and we'll tell you all about it. Hello and welcome to She Runs, Eats, Performs, the podcast for female runners of all abilities. Please join Karen Campbell and Aileen Smith, nutritionists, friends and runners, who are here to help you translate sports nutritional science into easy to apply tips and plans, helping you enjoy peak running performance. And especially adding in the female factors every woman needs to know to be a healthy runner. The suggestions we make during this episode are for a guidance and advice only, and are not a substitute for medical advice or treatment. If you have any concerns regarding your health, please contact your healthcare professional for advice as soon as possible. If you'd like help from Karen and Ailey to design a personalised sports nutrition plan for your running, please contact them at Runners Health Hub. Once again, I'm Karen and I'm here with Aileen. And as always, we're going to share something personal with you about our nutrition or running before we move on to discuss our topic for today, which is answering the question, is caffeine good for running? So I'm really interested in in this one, Aileen. So thinking about the title, uh, my question to you is, um, are you a coffee drinker? And I sense the answer is yes. And do you use it to support your running performance? Well, you know me too well, Karen. You know that I love a good cup of coffee and um, I love the taste. And I really enjoy the social aspect of having a cup of coffee with a friend or a group of friends. Um, I think uh, probably until a couple of years ago, I would never have considered having a coffee around a run. Um, but a while ago, a few years ago, I was on holiday with my sister. Um, we were actually in San Diego on the um, Coronado Island. And every morning we'd go for, well, I'd go for a run and she started um, cycling alongside me. And one morning we were out and she suggested we stop for a, a coffee at a kiosk. And that sort of like developed into a habit for our holiday. So every morning we'd go out for a run and a cycle and stop for coffee and then run home afterwards. Um, but, and I sort of was a bit bemused about this. I thought, this is really funny. I've never done that before, stop for a coffee break on a run. But what I did notice was I actually got a bit faster. Um, now, whether that was to do with the coffee or whether it was just because I had a rest, I don't know. Um, but it was a fun thing to do. And, um, so I, I don't supplement with caffeine, um, but I have uh, read up some interesting information to share with you today. And, um, you know, maybe that'll influence how I change my caffeine habits uh, around running. Mm-hmm. But um, so that's that's me, Karen. And I know you do love a coffee. Um, so how does that fit in with your run training? Yeah, absolutely. Aileen, like you, I do love a really good coffee and it has to be a perfect coffee or I have been known to send it back. So, you know, I can be embarrassing when I go into a coffee shop if it's not the way I want it. But um, but regarding that, um, I have to say I do have to manage my intake of, of coffee because I am actually a poor responder to coffee. And what I mean by that is that, you know, if I have more than, say, two coffees a day, I start to experience the physical and psychological effects of it so for example I can I can get that shakiness you know that slight tremor and uh, and foggy brain and I just can't fully focus so I have to be I have to be careful and I definitely can't have a coffee later in the day say after ideally 
no coffee from midday, but definitely not from after two o'clock. Otherwise, it really affects my sleep. It's quite significant. You know, I have difficulty falling asleep and then I waken up in the middle of the night. So, you know, I know I'm not very good with co- coffee. And and because of that, because I'm, I'm a sort of a non-responder or a, a slow responder um, or a slow metabolizer of um, caffeine, I don't tend to use it as an ergogenic aid for my training. In fact, I think actually rather than it supporting my training, it, it does actually hinder it. When I have, because during COVID actually, quite often uh, in the mornings um, when we weren't we were only allowed out for one piece of exercise a day Fraser and I would maybe have a coffee and a few nuts and then we'd go out for a run and I have to say I think it actually slowed me down rather than sped me up and it can also make me feel a bit nauseous uh, as I'm running so Clearly, it's not a good aid for me to certainly not for um, enhancing performance. So, you know, for someone who really loves coffee, I have to say I do have to be really careful about it. So which is a shame, but that's just the way it is. But it does make me really appreciate that one coffee or two coffees that I I have a day. Uh, So so really, I'm really looking forward to to our conversation, Aileen, and hearing what nuggets you've got around caffeine and its effects on running is it all positive or are there negative aspects to it as there is for me you know is this something that is 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 out there in the research yeah well there is always two sides to every story as we know Karen so uh yeah it's, it's it'd be interesting to uh, discuss it a bit further Exactly. So just sort of on that note, let's move on and think about is caffeine good for running? And to help answer that question, we're going to look at how does caffeine support running performance as an ergogenic aid? Are there any downsides to consuming caffeine as a runner, but also for general health as well? And as you've just said, Aileen, there's always two sides to a story and also sources of caffeine that um, everybody could consider as uh, as a runners if they wanted to. So let's get cracking, Aileen, and maybe we could start by looking at caffeine and how it may support a runner as an ergogenic aid. And, you know, an an ergogenic aid being a performance enhancer, just in case anybody is unsure of what that that means. We do speak about it a lot, but some people might not um, understand what uh, what an ergogenic aid is. And it's something which may support uh, an individual in achieving a physical or mental edge whilst training or competing. And ergogenic aids can be foods, but they can also be supplements. They could also be uh, training techniques and also training equipment so lots of different forms of ergogenic aids yeah well well caffeine is very well researched in sports science and as far back as the 1920s um so there's a there's a lot of information out there to read and um it's known as you said earlier karen to enhance various aspects of exercise performance um it, particularly in runners such as muscular endurance and sprinting um it appears to improve physical performance in trained and untrained individuals so untrained being the sort of recreational athlete um, and it also has an ergogenic effect on cognitive function, which I suppose everybody would realise. You know, we all know about, um, you know, using a cup of coffee to help us um, improve our attention span and being more sharp. Um, and, and from a running point of view, that might induce a, a decreased perception of effort or fatigue. And that's known as uh, the rate of perceived exertion. So, you you don't feel as though you're working as hard um so your training might be easier and you might be able to maintain pace uh, for a bit longer mm. so so it is showing that it can be positive caffeine can be positive in training so thinking about that Aileen how much caffeine should somebody consume to experience the kind of benefits you've just mentioned yeah, well, th- most of my research was based around a review that was published in January 2021, so not too long ago, uh, by the International Society of Sports Nutrition. And they produced a position stand um, called Caffeine and Exercise Performance. Um, and that was based on lots of um, research from different 
body. So um, most of what we're going to talk about today centres on that that paper, really. And what what they said is that um, research indicates that caffeine has consistently been shown to improve exercise performance when consumed in doses of three to six milligrams per kilogram of body mass. So, I mean, to be honest, I've never really considered how much caffeine is in my cup of coffee. You know, I know what a shot is and I know what a double shot is, but I don't really know how much caffeine is in it. But just to give you an idea, an average espresso would contain 75 milligrams per shot. Um, A black tea varies between 30 to 80 milligrams. So that would be for a a sort of an eight ounce cup and a green tea, um, fairly similar, 35 to 60 milligrams. And then when you get starting looking at um, energy gels and that type of sports um, performance food, if you like, um, and sports drinks and soft drinks too, they also can include caffeine. It's a really wide ranging uh, amount. You know, it can be anything from 25 grams to 100 grams per sachet. And there are even some um, some supplements out there that contain a lot more. Um, so, for instance, if you were uh, weighed 70 kilograms, you'd be looking at consuming between 210 and 420 grams to potentially get these benefits. So that's the equivalent of three to six espressos in a day. Uh, now, that seems an awful lot of caffeine to me. I was quite shocked when I worked that out. Um, but there's also um, research and evidence to suggest that the that you can use a minimal dose, a minimal effective dose of caffeine, they say remains unclear, but it could be as low as two milligrams per kilogram of body mass. So that means the smallest dose that will produce the desired outcome. Gosh, Aileen, I have to agree that that in general, that does seem an awful lot of of caffeine, but I'm sure we'll no doubt talk a bit more about that later. Um, But on a positive note, it's good that the the review that you were using is really up to date. So um, that's fantastic, 2021. And our advice is um, really... If you are considering supplementing with caffeine, maybe start with a low amount to begin with and then only increase when you can tolerate it without any negative side effects, be they physical or psychological. But again, we'll talk more about that later. So, Aileen, how much do they say is too much? You've given us an idea of what's potentially um, uh, helpful, but what would be too much? Um, well, they say that very high doses of caffeine, for example, the nine milligrams per kilogram um, of body mass are associated with a high incidence of side effects. And, and they also say that you don't need to have, you know, take on that much to, to elicit an ergogenic effect. So their message is you don't need to overconsume for results. It's, it's all about taking an optimal amount and, and that will um, hopefully elicit the results that you're looking for. Okay, that's good to know. So, so, and you know, we always speak about nutrient timing, and there's always a a, a a good time to be taking on foods and supplements and things. So, what can you tell us about the timing of consuming caffeine to enhance performance? Well, well, caffeine's um, rapidly absorbed, um, so we're not just talking about coffee here. We're talking about caffeine in all these different uh, ways that you can take it on board, and so it's really rapidly absorbed into the. Uh, gastrointestinal tracts and it appears to be in the blood within minutes and um, peak caffeine plasma concentrations um, are, are around between 30 minutes to 120 minutes so um, you know relatively quickly and typically um, most most athletes seem to time the caffeine supplementation uh, around 60 minutes pre-exercise so you know if you were having a cup of coffee you might be doing that before you go out or if you're taking a supplement um, most people are taking it sort of an hour before and that means that they're going to feel the effects you know as they, they start their their exercise or their run um, so the effects of caffeine uh, do last for quite a long time so um, between for most people between three to five hours um, so, you know, on that basis, you don't have to try and drink it or consume it immediately before you run because you're going to get the benefits sort of for that three to five hour period. 
Um, so as I said, the, the effects will last for several hours. And, and as you um, mentioned earlier, you know, different people respond in different ways to caffeine. So depending on how quickly or slowly the caffeine's metabolized uh, by the body will depend on what effect it has on you. Um, so caffeine has a half-life of approximately four to five hours. So that means the amount of time it takes for caffeine to be reduced to half the original amount. So if you say, for instance, you've consumed 10 milligrams of caffeine, after five hours, you'll still have five milligrams of caffeine in your body. So obviously, these are sort of averages. So, so it might be different for different people. But on average, that's what happens. And, and that time scale could be reduced or extended depending on, you know, maybe um, your personal situation. So for individuals who are pregnant or those who smoke or those with an impaired liver function, all of those kind of things can affect how you metabolize caffeine. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And so we've determined that that if you have, say, caffeine 45 minutes to an hour beforehand, then that's going to support your, your training because it lasts for four or five hours. But is there any benefit to consuming the caffeine actually during the exercise or training? Uh, well, it does seem that some runners prefer to delay their caffeine intake until they're running so they can get a mid-race boost, uh, in which case, you know, unlike me on my holidays, you're not going to stop for a coffee, uh, but they're probably going to consume a gel or a chew containing uh, caffeine. And, and that was backed up by a recent review in 2018 uh, by Shen et al. And um, that concluded that um, timing of caffeine intake closer to a time of greater fatigue so for instance later in the race might be most beneficial uh, and it also seems that the optimal timing of caffeine depends on the source of caffeine so for example um, you know they talked about caffeine chewing gums uh, and that might require a shorter waiting time from consumption to the start of an exercise and a caffeine capsule so those would have been in sort of um you know, a research um, trial sort of situation. Yeah, that's interesting that they're speaking about chewing gums and that would be chewing gum and caffeine capsules and taking those during during a, a run. Yes, yeah. Okay, that's really interesting. Um, I'm not sure about chewing gum through, through a run. I'm just thinking about my breathing. I know, I know. It's... Um... I don't know. I mean, you probably don't have to chew it for too long. Maybe it's something, I don't know. Yeah. Or it was something I read. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Thought. Or maybe you chew it and then it just kind of sits in your cheek. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. That's a really interesting one. So, Aileen, after you've consumed the caffeine, how, how is it that the body processes it to, to, to give us these performance enhancements? Well, the, the action of caffeine is really on the central nervous system, and that's widely accepted as the, the main way that caffeine alters performance. And it's thought that it exerts its effects via uh, something called the adenosine receptors, and that leads to neurotransmitter release, um, motor unit firing rates and pain suppression. So um, all of these things are, you know, contributing to us um, feeling better and, and not noticing things going on and making us feel that we can do more. Uh, there's two types of these adenosine receptors, two subtypes, um, and they're highly concentrated in the brains. And then it's thought that they're the main targets of caffeine. Um, now, caffeine has similar molecular structure to adenosine, and it caffeine binds to these adenosine receptors um, after ingestion, and therefore that increases the concentration of neurotransmitters, including um, things that people have heard of before, like serotonin and dopamine and um, noradrenaline and um, glutamate. So the neurotransmitters that all sort of help us perform um, and feel better, and that they these sort of result in positive effects on mood, on vigilance, focus, alertness. Um, in most people, but not everybody. 
Yeah, absolutely. Me being one of those alien where it just doesn't seem to work. So, um, but it is, you know, and I'm sure we'll speak about this later again as this responders and non-responders and there's, there's responders and non-responders in so many different aspects of, of life, sport and nutrition. So, um, so, so I'm just going back a bit, Aileen, at the beginning of our discussion, you mentioned that caffeine is thought to enhance muscular endurance. What's the theory around that? Yeah, well, caffeine appears to have an ergogenic effect on muscle, and it's believed that it influences muscle contraction through calcium ion mobilization and fatigue caused by the gradual reduction of calcium ion release may have a reduced effect after the consumption of caffeine. Um, so there's there's lots and lots of studies. There was so much, it was hard to really um, summarise uh, this. Um, uh, you know, there was a whole list of different types of sports that this particular review mentioned. Um, but th- they were really saying that there was lots of evidence to support caffeine as an effective ergogenic aid for enhancing velocity and power in resistance exercise. Um, so I'll just read what um, they sort of summarised, what their quote was, um, that caffeine has been consistently shown to be effective as an ergogenic aid when taken in moderate doses, so that three to six milligrams that we talked about during endurance type exercise and sport. Dozens of endurance studies are highlighted through this review in various sections, showing consistent yet wide ranging magnitudes of benefit for endurance performance under caffeine conditions. You know, so it was everything from basketball to cycling you know there was just so many different things that they talked about so if anybody's interested they can look up that study and and read about it yeah it is such a a well researched um product isn't it And it is a product you know it's natural but it's it's a product as well and Eileen, i just wanted to mention a theory that people may have read about and it's the theory is um around caffeine and that it appears to stimulate an increase in blood levels of free fatty acid um so is glycogen sparing and that's making um, the free fatty acids available for fuel whilst preserving um, glycogen stores. And we're always looking at preserving glycogen stores, um, especially in endurance running. However, this theory has actually been challenged and actually dismissed um, in recent years. And it seems that Several studies made clear that increased levels of the free fatty acids were higher earlier in exercise as expected due to that increased demand for fuel via fat oxidation, um, but not necessarily due to the influence of the caffeine. So it's just a natural reaction rather than a reaction caused by the caffeine. And this mechanism really could not explain the ergogenic effects of caffeine in, and this is looking at it in short duration, high intensity exercise in which glycogen levels are not really a limiting factor. So you know, it's just. Yeah. Kind of- I think that's really interesting, Karen, because sometimes you read things, and you, and then when you read more up to date research, it's interesting to know that it's been challenged. So it's always mm-hmm. good to not just take as read what you read. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's for individuals and also us as as, um, educators as well, the importance of of staying up to date and and then passing on this newfound information and research. Mm. Um, But Aileen, so far we've learned that caffeine consumption at around three to six milligrams per kilogram of body mass may support ergogenic benefits of improving rate of perceived effort via the central nervous system and the adenosine receptors and may also support muscular endurance by reducing the effect of fatigue, by reducing the effect of the calcium ion release reduction. Now, maybe we could move on now and have a chat about the downsides to consuming caffeine as a runner and also for general health, like I, I mentioned at the beginning. What what can you tell us there? Well, I think, you know, we've already said it, it 
everybody consumes, metabolizes and responds to caffeine in different ways. And it is very personalized and it, it's related to our genetics uh, predominantly, although there, there are other aspects to consider too. Um, so when we consume uh, caffeine, the liver metabolizes and detoxifies the caffeine by an enzyme called the CYP1A2 enzyme. So that's the it's a key liver enzyme and um, it's a special protein that uh, breaks down um, and, and uses other substances too. Uh, but that it's really the, the enzyme that's responsible for metabolizing caffeine. And um, we do have variations in our genetics um, that have a big impact on how caffeine affects our bodies. And based on your um you know, I'll just call it the SIP1 um, gene. Uh, based on, on that, uh, you might be a fast or a slow caffeine metabolizer. So if you're a slow metabolizer, you process the caffeine at a slower rate. Um, and that means the caffeine's got a potential to build up in your bloodstream and the caffeine might have longer lasting stimulant effects and may do more harm than good. Um, the negative side effects of caffeine, you've already mentioned some of them, Karen, you know, it could be insomnia, anxiety, an upset stomach. Um, and there's also um, some evidence linking slow metabolizers to an increased risk of having non-fatal heart attacks or high blood pressure if they're consuming higher amounts of um, caffeine. Um, so the, the advice there is that if, you, if you're a slow metabolizer, you need to limit or avoid caffeine um, based on your own individual response to minimize the, the risk of serious health issues. But if you're a fast metabolizer, the opposite, it means that you're processing caffeine at a more rapid rate and caffeine then might not have as great or as lasting an effect. So, for fast metabolizers, and, and this is just based on their ability to metabolize caffeine, not if they've got any other health risk factors. But you, if you are, if you're one of these people, you can consume coffee relatively safely, and that might help provide beneficial antioxidants and other bioactive properties, and, and not necessarily contribute to the risk of heart, heart attack or hypertension. So I'm actually the opposite view, Karen. I, I'm a fast metabolizer. Um, I've had that tested as part of a, a genetic profile. And, um, you know, I already guessed that I would be because I've, I've always been able to drink coffee without any noticeable side effects. So I know you, you said, Karen, that, you know, you're a slow responder. Was, is that based on you knowing what your genetics to caffeine are, Karen? Yeah, exactly. I kind of, ha I, I, well, clearly I knew before that I was having the, the side effects, but um, but then I did have the genetic testing done and it came up that I was a slow metabolizer. So it just kind of confirmed my theory um, of um, me not being very good with coffee and, and therefore having to, to limit the amount of coffee I drink so that I don't experience the, the side effects. So yeah, so it's interesting actually. I think doing the doing the um, genetic testing for various reasons. I think it's interesting, but that was that was one that just confirmed my suspicions already. Um, and I think also it's important to say that as well as as genetics, and you were sort of saying this earlier, Aileen. Um, it really, your body's ability to metabolize caffeine also depends on lifestyle. So, for example, an individual's diet, their stress levels, also the sleep and activity level can impact on how they respond to caffeine. And also how much caffeine, coffee or caffeine do you drink or take in the time of day that, that you take it and um whether an individual smokes or whether they take hormonal birth control could also play a role on how an individual reacts to caffeine. So in other words, it, it could be that it's your lifestyle and nutrition choices which are affecting how you metabolize caffeine, not just your genetics, although that will play a part in it. So yeah, um, lots to consider good to consider all of those things and, and I think it, you know it is really interesting for people to have some insights into the genetics and um, you know I know probably you did something similar to me you would have you would have looked at a general health profile or a sports related profile and within that caffeine was one of the things that was was um, checked 
Um, so if, if anybody is interested in having some uh, insights into their genetics, uh, interested in finding out more, if you, if you email us at hello at Runners Health Club, we'll happily point you towards test panels that we recommend that would be helpful for you. Um, so in, in more recent times, um, I think what I've found when I've been doing my, my research for this episode is that researchers now factor genetics into their studies. So, for instance, um, in there was a study that I looked at that was in 2012, so, you know, nine, ten years ago. Um, they, um, they did, um, you know, that was one of their uh, prerequisites, you know, when they were doing the study. So they were looking into the influence of the CYP1 polymorphism on the ergogenic effects of caffeine uh, and, and how um, how that um, impacted on the, the uh, performance. They were actually looking at a cycling performance. So they were looking at the caffeine gene interaction. Uh, and one of the things that they discovered was that um, they had an improved time trial performance in those with uh, an AA genotype. So that was the fast metabolizer type. But then there were other studies um, that said something slightly different. Um, but I, th- I just think it's interesting that the scientists really, um, really, um, I suppose they they know that this is an important part of how people respond. And so it's a, a key thing that they are factoring into their research now. Mm. But as you, as you pointed out, Karen, there's also other lifestyle factors as well as the genotypes. Exactly. And that all needs to be taken into consideration um, regarding how somebody is reacting to caffeine. And as we've spoken about alien and as I experience, you know, caffeine consumption has the potential to interfere with sleep. And I was just wondering if you could maybe tell us what the reason for that is, what is happening. Yeah, well, what what's happening is this uh, adenosine uh, acts as a signal between the between brain cells to sort of induce sleepiness, and caffeine blocks the adenosine signals, and that's going to make you feel more alert, and that's why caffeine can make it hard to fall asleep and can interfere with with deep sleep. So it was pointed out in in some of the studies that from a sporting point of view, this might help athletes who are uh, working under conditions of jet lag or irregular or early training or, um, you know, competition schedules that might be, um, you know, have effects on time. So that, you know, there could be some benefits, but I think, you know, we all know the importance of having good quality sleep. So we don't want our caffeine to be um, affecting us in that way and there is actually there's another genetic variant uh, variation that may contribute to um, you know disruptions in sleep and that's called the now I don't know how to say this but I'm just going it's the ADORA2A um, genetic variation so that that could um, if you if you've got uh, that that could be something that's contributing to um your sleep quality being not as good as it could be. And that would be another reason to limit your caffeine intake. Um, So uh, that's interesting. It is really interesting. And genetics are really interesting. I think they're very, very complicated and complex, but give us some um, really good information. Um, You just have to be careful about the type of genetic testing that that you do. But just moving on a bit, Aileen, I'm just wondering, are there any female factors that we would need to consider regarding caffeine? Yeah, there's there's a, a few that um, I think is worth mentioning. So one one to consider that excessive caffeine intake can also be detrimental to bone health uh, because it can prevent the absorption of vitamins and, and minerals, uh, which are important for healthy bones. Um, so you know, for instance, for me, um, you know, I'm a fast responder. I do limit my coffee to one or two a day, um, and I I have osteoporosis, so I want to you know, protect my bone health. So that's that's something I'll have to take into consideration. Um, another is that um, you, you mentioned this earlier, the um, oral contraception. So estrogen-based oral contraception can decrease how quickly the body breaks down caffeine and women may experience jitteriness, headaches, fast heartbeat. So again, you know, if you are a caffeine 
um, consumer and you're on the contraception pill, you you might need to take that into consideration. Uh, there's also um, guidance, I would say, for pregnant uh, women. So currently the UK and international guidance is that women should avoid high caffeine take and they're, they're talking about um, higher than 200 milligrams a day, which is pretty high. Mm. Um, um, high consumption may be linked to low birth weight, miscarriage and stillbirth. So um, there was a, a, a statement that I, I got from the um, from a medical organisation. So I'll I'll, um, I'll post the uh, link to the PDF in there. And if anybody's pregnant or thinking about getting pregnant, they might want to read that. Um, and I, I think generally, not necessarily a female factor, but one for all men and women to consider is that medications can either increase or decrease the metabolism of caffeine. So it's always really advisable to read the medication leaflets and, and check their advice. Um, so a few different things to consider there. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. Thanks, Aileen. So, so just kind of going back to sport and using caffeine as an ergogenic aid to advance, to, to sort of um, advance your performance. Do you know what the, what WADA say about us currently saying about caffeine? Yes, I do. I do. Cause um, yeah, this was quite interesting. So um the IOC um, recognises that caffeine is frequently used by athletes because of its reported performance enhancing or ergogenic effects. And it was actually added to the list of banned substances by the I IOC in 1984 and um, WADA in 2000. Um, and they defined a doping offence as having urinary caffeine concentrations exceeding a cutoff value and their cutoff value was chosen to exclude um, typical amounts ingested as part of what they call social common common social uh, coffee drinking patterns so they recognize that people drink coffee as a social thing so they their cutoff point was was higher than that and it was uh, ranged at um, 12 to 15 ug per milliliter of urine but in Later, um, both the IOC and WADA uh, removed the classification of caffeine as a controlled substance uh, back in 2004. And that led to a renewed interest of caffeine use by athletes. So the current situation is that caffeine is still monitored by WADA and athletes are encouraged to maintain a urine caffeine concentration below that 12 um, UG per milliliter of urine. And that corresponds to um, taking 10 milligrams per kilogram of body mass orally um, over several hours, um, which is more than triple the intake reported to enhance performance. So, that, you know, an athlete can still take quite a lot of caffeine. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's... Um, it's on watch, I would say. <laughs> yeah, so Aileen, you, you speaking about that has just reminded me, you know, when I was doing some research recently um, on WADA, it was in there that um, caffeine is actually on the 2021 watch list. So um, clearly it was controlled or banned. Um, it was taken off the banned list, but it's being watched again because, like you say, it sounds as though um, athletes have been going back to it and using it and finding the benefits of it so they put it back on the watch list for 2021 so it's a case of watch the space it could potentially go on the banned list again um, and there's a high prevalence of um caffeine use amongst endurance athletes and that was um again mentioned in this review uh, and they they quoted uh, a study that was based on 27,500 urine samples, and that was across two studies. Um, and the prevalence of caffeine across various sports was thought to be about 74%, and the highest use of caffeine was amongst endurance athletes in both studies. So um, people are using it. <laughs> oh, clearly. Mm -hmm. oh. Right, so I wondered if there's anything else that you thought would be worthwhile mentioning here, Karen. Is there anything regarding the downside of caffeine that we should be considering? 
Yeah, I think it's probably worth pointing out that caffeine is a stimulant in many ways and, and can be and can be a stimulant and stimulate a stress response. Um, and also it can spike blood sugar levels, which we have spoken about in the past, and both of which um, could be detrimental to general health and body composition, actually, which clearly is going to affect our, our running and our performance. Um, and also lots of runners including myself can notice gut issues with it and um, for example the urgency to go diarrhea and also nausea and for some people vomiting related to to caffeine as well so those are other things to be aware of negative aspects um, potentially of taking on caffeine and using that as a, as an aid to your performance so so Ailey, just to round up really um what we've talked about is that although reviews of the literature show that caffeine is on average um, ergogenic um, for a wide range of sports, actually not just running, but its use might not be appropriate for every athlete. Um, it can be sort of detrimental to, to some. Uh, and also con uh, caffeine consumption really needs to be balanced with the side effects experienced um, and individuals should really experiment to how much caffeine to consume for them and assess if there are benefits to their performance and overall health or is it actually being detrimental. And I think it's important to assess the physical response to caffeine during training sessions and competitions as well and do this um, um, in, a, in addition to monitoring other symptoms such as mood, state and, and sleep patterns. So lots to think about um, to determine whether caffeine intake is right or wrong for the individual runner. So, Aileen, after all of that, I think it's maybe time um, for an advert break. OK, so this is the moment uh, of the episode where Karen and I take a minute to talk to you about what we do outside of the podcast. Uh, so Karen and I, just like you, we're busy working women. We run for health, fitness, achievement and fun sometimes too. Uh, but even as nutritional therapists, we, we've had our own personal running uh, performance struggles over the years. And we've resolved those struggles with having a foundational everyday eating plan, which we fine tune with sports nutritional nutritional principles and that helps to maximize our running performance and importantly minimize injury um, and what we did was we took all of our um, experience and expertise and turned it into um, a program called easy nutrition for healthy runners it's an online program it's a short and sweet video program and you can complete it in 30 minutes a day over two weeks or if you prefer you can take uh, longer uh, it's entirely up to you so if you've been listening today and thinking you'd like to know more about how to apply both everyday nutrition alongside sports specific nutrition we think this program is a great place to to start and it'll give you some easy information and some easy action steps too so if you're interested in the program, have a look at it on our website, which is runnershealthhub.com. Look at the top menu bar and you'll find the online programs there. And if you have a look and you've got any questions, please feel free to email us at hello at runnershealthhub.com. And to say thank you to you as one of our valued listeners, we've got a special offer for you to use. Um, if you go to the, the shopping cart for the online program, there's an opportunity for you to put in a coupon code, uh, which gets you a 33% discount. So you use the code POD, P-O-D, to get that 33% discount off the full price. And that brings the price down to £199. And there is a multi-payment option too. So if you prefer to spread the payment, you can do that. Um, so you'll find the full, full details in our show notes. Um, and we, we hope to see you over in the programme soon. Great. Thanks very much, Aileen. OK, so now let's think about some of the sources of caffeine that a runner would maybe want to consider. And clearly the obvious one is coffee. And really, from what we've heard so far, as long as you don't experience any of the negative side effects, it actually would be fine maybe to drink a cup of coffee in advance of your of your run, say, 45 minutes to an hour beforehand to get the benefits. Um, I would suggest that you do this in the morning um, only 
or you it, you could find that you might experience problems with relaxation and potentially sleep later in the day. So if you're getting up and you're doing your run in the morning, you want to use coffee, um, do it then. And maybe you utilize something else in the afternoon. And I think even if you are a fast metabolizer, um, you're still going to experience that half-life effect that Aileen was speaking about. So I I usually advise clients and um, listeners not to have coffee after 12 noon. That would be the ideal um, time. But Aileen, can you maybe go on and tell us about different supplement forms of, of caffeine that, that um, runners could source? Yeah, well, there's there's a lot out there and predominantly you'll find them in the form of gels, chews, bars, uh, shots and um, energy drinks. So they all have caffeine in. Um, my advice is really do your research and read the labels carefully. Uh, the amount of caffeine does vary considerably. Um, you know, I found gels that you know, had anything from 100 milligrams to 300 milligrams. So really be careful. And, and often they're designed for different sports. So, so check that the one that you're using or that you're thinking of using is designed for a runner. Um, I can't personally recommend a brand because I don't um, use caffeine in that form myself. I did do a little bit of research for the this episode and um, I, I did think the uh, science and sport range might be worth trying if you want to uh, look at that. Um, they've got a really wide range of products and that there was quite a lot of information on their website to help you make an informed choice. Um, but as ever, you know, read the labels, check the ingredients, um, check the amount of caffeine as well as the other ingredients too. So their, their caffeine shots have 150 milligrams of caffeine and they could be used to prior or during a run. Uh, and they also have an energy gel range, which included uh, 60 milligrams of caffeine alongside 22 milligrams of carbohydrate. Um, so that that's sort of the, the different types of caffeine products that you would uh, find available. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing about the the CIS, so the science and sport range, is that they are informed sport accredited. So that means that um this this informed sport, it's it's a global testing and certification program for sports and, and nutritional supplements. So the supplement pro, pro um, products are tested by um, a world-class anti-doping laboratory and they're testing for any contamination against a broad range of potentially banned substances in sport Um, and they use this a, a particular accredited method so when you basically when you see the informed sport quality mark um you know that the product has passed really the most stringent sports supplement testing and SIS is one of those um, products. Now, SIS isn't really a product that I would generally recommend just because there are lots of different additives to this to their products that could cause potential side effects for people sort of digestive effects, etc. But I think for people who have to um, follow the the WADA guidelines. The choice of informed sport accredited products are really limited, so SIS may be an option. Now, actually, there are a couple of others um, that I can think of uh, as we're speaking, um, Aileen, and, and one is a product, um, OTE, a company called OTE. Now, they do have um, some products that are similar, maybe slightly better than than SIS. And then there's another product um, uh, by One Pro Nutrition. In fact, they've got a few products and they're also informed sport accredited. And um, so I think it's worth just looking at going out there and, and looking and just seeing what's available and choosing. If you have to, to choose products that need to be IS accredited, then just choosing the most natural ones that you can find. And I have to say, I think One Pro Nutrition is certainly the most natural one that that I've been able to find to date. But for some people, they, that might not, that 
might not be accessible to them. So the likes of SIS or OTE might be alternatives. Mm, good. Well, it's good to have a, a, a range to choose from. And that, as I said earlier, I think doing your research pays off and, and yeah. testing out what works for you. Mm. Uh, something I mentioned earlier, Karen, about the, the gels which combine um, caffeine and carbohydrates. So this might be a really convenient way of supplementing with caffeine during a training session if you're a runner who uses gels. You know, so I, I don't use gels, so that wouldn't work for me, but for some people do. And um, as I said earlier, you can get these tiny little shots, which, you know, again, I can't imagine me using one during a run, but, you know, maybe that would work. Um, so the review that we've been referring to today, what they commented on is that it appears caffeine alone or in conjunction with carbohydrate is a superior choice for improving performance when compared to carbohydrate supplementation alone. Um, and that whilst most studies um, focus on consumption pre or during um, exercise, there's been some interest in investigating the benefits of glucose metabolism using carbohydrate and caffeine um, post-exercise. Um, so what they've been looking at, there was one um, study by Pedersen, um, which reported faster glycogen repletion rates in athletes who co-ingested caffeine and carbohydrate um, as compared to athletes who just use carbohydrate alone. Um, so that's an, a new area. Again, mm -hmm. it's not something that you would automatically consider, but it's in, in a new area of research. Yeah, it's really interesting and um, because uh, another study that I read indicated that caffeine could potentiate glycogen replen re resynthesis when high doses of caffeine, so around 8 milligrams per kilogram of body mass, is consumed during the recovery phase of exercise. Um, so it was also saying when adequate carbohydrate is provided post-exercise, caffeine might not provide any any benefits to that glycogen re resynthesizing. So basically what it's saying is that if, say, an individual hasn't taken on enough um, glucose during the uh, during the the training and they're really depleted. Then by adding adding um, caffeine alongside the carbohydrates post race post event, then that could enhance the glycogen repletion, speed up the the, the repletion. And this review also highlighted that athletes really need to consider the potential negative impact of caffeine consumption um, like we've been speaking about um, if, if they're taking it on close to rest sleep periods um, so really I'm thinking that perhaps using this concept for recovery should really be considered um, early in the day again a bit like I, what I was saying about having it pre-run if you're doing a morning run not if you're doing an afternoon or an evening run the same with this post run caffeine making sure that it's a morning run and not an afternoon or an evening run yeah that's that that's really good advice there karen because uh, it would be easy to fall into the trap of using these things without thinking about the timing and then it <laughs> causing more problems than gains really um, and I, I think another consideration is the placebo effect so um you know that again was mentioned in this review and that was where a number of study participants are given a non-caffeine substance and yet they still reported beneficial effects and a number of studies have, have provided evidence for placebo, placebo effects associated with caffeine ingestion or, or other beneficial interventions uh, during exercise. Yeah, I think actually that's a really valid point, Aileen, because if you think about day to day, like how many people think they can't live without their morning coffee? Um, so this could actually translate into using caffeine in training. So really good point. Um, just one final question, Aileen, before we, we close for today. Are there um, any benefits to running performance by habitually consuming caffeine? What's the research saying? Um, well, it's saying that there doesn't appear to be any consistent uh, difference in performance effects of what they call acute caffeine injection between habitual and non-habitual caffeine units. Um, 
you know, as ever, this is open to interpretation, but, um, you know, basically that's saying you don't have to have it every single day. You can have it ad hoc and you can still get the benefits. Um, one, one area that has been researched is, is are there any benefits to abstaining from caffeine for a period before supplementing prior to exercise? So for instance, um, abstaining for caffeine from one to four days and then supplementing uh, with caffeine prior to your exercise or your, your training session or your race. Um, and the results are varied. Uh, one study concluded that improved performance under caffeine conditions uh, based on six milligrams per kilogram is not related to caffeine, prior caffeine habituation in recreational athletes. Um, but I, I think my personal view is you know, from a general health perspective, we should minimise caffeine uh, for all the reasons that we've talked about earlier. But there may be some performance benefits from using caffeine strategically in training and competition if you are able to tolerate it. So, um, you know, whatever you do, I think do it in moderation and strategically would be my advice. Yeah, absolutely, Alien. I'm, I'm with you there. And we speak often about using um, foods and supplements strategically to, to support performance, not necessarily using them all the time. And also, you know, I think really this this outlines the importance of um, individuality that for some people it will work for others it's not going to work so it's going to be very personal um, so thanks very much for that and I think we kind of need to round everything up but just before um, we go Aileen would you maybe just give us some of your key takeaways from today's discussion yeah, sure. Um, so the key takeaways for today are that caffeine um, it does have an ergogenic effect on cognitive function, uh, for instance, attention, vigilance, and may also induce a de decreased perception of effort and fatigue. So your training may feel easier and you may be able to maintain pace for longer. Uh, research indicates that caffeine um, consumed in doses of three to six milligrams per kilogram of body mass has been shown to improve exercise performance. Uh, very high doses of caffeine, so nine milligrams uh, per kilogram and above, are associated with a high incidence of side effects. And you don't need to consume at this level to elicit an ergogenic effect. So the message is don't overconsume for results. Um, our advice is, is if you're starting to supplement with caffeine, start with a low amount to begin with and only increase when you can tolerate um, caffeine without negative side effects. Remember that caffeine, uh, the effect of caffeine will last for several hours, depending on how quickly or slowly it's metabolized in the body. Um, we, we know that caffeine has a half-life of approximately four to five hours. So our advice is consume caffeine before lunchtime so that there's a minimum effect on sleep quality uh, later in the day. Um, you may be a fast or slow metabolizer of caffeine, um, so you can assess that by your own reactions to caffeine, but you may want to consider a genetic test to establish your status. And remember that lifestyle and nutrition choices also may affect how you metabolize your caffeine, not just your genetics. So the health factors to consider um, are that caffeine consumption may be detrimental to bone mineral density. Pregnant women are advised to minimize caffeine consumption and um, medications and oral contraceptions may affect the metabolism of caffeine. So um, check that out. Um, caffeine is still monitored by WADA. Um, and uh, as Karen mentioned, it, it's on the watch list. So um, just keep your eye on that. Remember that there's a range of caffeine sources that may be appropriate for pre and during running. So gels, chews, bars, shots and energy drinks. But again, our advice is read the labels carefully and choose the products and caffeine doses that are appropriate for you. And where possible, choose natural products. Um, and finally, you don't need to be a habitual caffeine consumer to gain performance benefits. Remember to supplement strategically. And um, if you're not caffeine sensitive, you may enjoy a coffee, a daily coffee every day without it negatively affecting your health. And I think that's all the takeaways, Karen. 
Great. Lots of takeaways from this episode, Aileen. And I have to say, thanks so much. It's been a real great coffee time to spend. And remember, everyone, don't let nutrition be the limiting factor in your running performance. Well, this brings us to the end of another episode of She Runs, Eats, Performs, brought to you by Runners Health Hub, helping female runners to be fitter, faster and stronger. We really hope you've enjoyed listening and you'll join us again soon. In the meantime, we'd be so grateful if you check us out on iTunes and leave a review. And once again, thanks for listening and do let us know if there are any topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes. Bye for now. We'd like to introduce you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear for Women's Changing Bodies, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. We think they have everything a female runner needs. First of all, they are high compression to support your legs and bum. They have a deep waistband so they stay up and they don't move about when you run. There's a handy left pocket for your phone and a zip pocket on the waistband which is great for your cards or a key. They also have a hidden tracker pocket for storing a GPS tracking device, and this is a unique safety feature. All Amazing Jane designs, including tanks and tops, are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. Karen and I have been trialing wearing their range for a few months, and we can happily recommend them. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners' special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Thanks again to Amazing Jane Activewear for being our show sponsor and for sharing discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases. <music>